0: Luke 8 and 14, you ready? Let's read it together. And as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares of, and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Let's read Luke 1229 34 as well. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, there will your heart be also. Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's give God some praise. Good to see everybody today. We're thankful today for any first-time guests in the house. we acknowledge you a little, little later, but make sure you fill out the Connect card so that we can reach out and, and invite you back and say thank you. You can be seated. We're on a series of messages uh, talking about the radical Jesus. It's going to take us through the next... Le- the rest of 2019 amen somebody amen. and uh, so we're talking about you know how you know what he professed what he taught what he commended and commanded lines up with the systems of this world and with our priorities to be in contrast to be and actually uh, opposed diametrically opposed to uh, to the world's way of doing business. Uh, Jesus' economy is different. Amen, somebody. It's different. So we've been trying to point that up and uh, hopefully bring scriptures to light that, that uh, basically point up Jesus' priorities and pray that we can, uh, in theory and in practice, uh, live out his faith. Amen, somebody. Uh, this text talks about seeking first the kingdom, one of the primary texts. Uh, Jesus really promoted a kind of economic conversion. Amen, somebody. Say so y'all say that with me. Economic conversion. Amen. Matter of fact, in some instances when he was trying to get people to draw closer, he would deal with their, uh, their economic position and status. He would deal with, uh, you know, their need to be reflect on that and make some changes. And he commended some folk who actually made shifts in their economic understanding uh, and said, hey, you were recipients of salvation because not only did you profess faith, but you, in a tangible way, uh, you changed your outlook in this economic system. Remember Zacchaeus? He, was, he saw Jesus, and Jesus invited himself to his home and came down out of that sycamore tree, and, and after he professed like today, you know, I, you know I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my goods. I'm going to give to the poor, praise God. And, and, what, and, and how I've abused people or oppressed people, I'm going to make that good, I'm going to make that right. And Jesus said to him that today salvation has come to your household. Amen? Because you understand uh, that, uh, that the, the surplus is to bless. Did you hear me? The surplus is to bless. That we're not to hoard and hold on to everything, but the surplus is to be a blessing. Amen, somebody. Amen. You know, and so, you know, Jesus in many instances, he just inverted the formula. It was, it, was, it was upside down what he promoted. There's a book I've been reading called The Upside Down Kingdom. I recommend it to you. Um, but, it, but it talks about concepts like jubilee. Amen. The year of Jubilee. Amen. Every seven years there was a reset in, uh, in Jewish history. So the Israelites were reset financially. So lands and acquisitions that you had made, you would actually give some of that back in that seventh year. So you weren't allowed to just, without restriction or restraint, acquire uh, you know, until you became a uh, multi-trillionaire, a billionaire. <laughs> and I don't know if a trillionaire exists, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, avarice, greed, the unrestricted uh, accumulations were limited by the years of jubilee. Amen. Uh, so that lands would be given back to people who had been acquired lands. You've acquired somebody's land; they defaulted on their land things are like that, you would give it back. You know? Somebody said, whoa, 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 that's, that's counter to capitalistic you know, principles. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Amen. That's why I'm telling you that the faith can be radical, and the understanding of it is, is something else once you get into the details of it. So Jubilee was about sharing. Jubilee was about uh, uh, managing the surplus properly. Jubilee was about making sure that you don't perpetually oppress anyone. That you share your uh, resources. And that, you know, that, and, and, and this is why God felt it important. Because he knew that finances, money, acquisitions, pleasure, can undercut our allegiance to him. Can undercut our allegiance to him. Amen, somebody. So advances, you know. Acquisition of homes and, you know, resorts in, 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 in the common in the era or vacations or elaborate, lux, you know, luxurious hobbies and investments and clothing and cars and leisure. Those things can undercut your allegiance to God. Amen, somebody. Can I get a witness in the house? And a lack of concern for the status of the poor the needy, the have-nots, you know, and to impress them through an economic system that in some instances, you know, prevents them from gaining access. Amen. If I'm the minority, if I haven't had access, if I don't inherit any wealth, if I don't have the means or the wherewithal for, you know, upward mobility, then I could stay in an oppressed state in a capitalistic culture. And capitalism predicts There's going to be some people on the lower end of the spectrum, you know, poor, disadvantaged, the working poor, uh, in order for the formula to work. So the formula ain't even fair. Amen, somebody. It ain't fair. You know, I remember sitting in an economics class thinking, this ain't fair. Amen. And I asked the professor, I guess he thought I was some kind of raving liberal. How is this formula going to work? He said, That's how it works. It's going to be a permanent lower class. The, for- the formula works, it helps to generate profit. Amen. So, if you can pay the folk at the bottom rung just a little bit of money, you know, this whole debate is going on right now about the working poor. Do you know that you know, Orlando is one, one of the uh, working poor capital cities of the, in the nation? Amen. Uh, That 73% of the children uh, in Orange County Public Schools are are on reduced or free lunch. Did you hear me? I said 73% of the children in Orange County Public Schools are on reduced or free lunch. Amen. Uh, Anything fair about that? You know, to be working hard and still... You know, you still qualifying for food stamps and reduced lunch and all of that kind of thing? And then in, in, the, in the most magical city in the world, <laughs> amen, has bred a culture of underpayment, hoteliers, you know, theme parks, you know, low-income jobs. Amen, somebody. You think God's in favor of that? No, it's against, it's against what God wants And uh, so we have to speak truth to power And we have to know that it ain't right And if we're in a position to make a difference We should do the same We should make a difference Amen, somebody But, 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 but God knows that, that, uh, that, that wealth and money and pleasure Can choke you out Can strangle you Can, can actually suffocate you Can gag you If you will Amen. You know, that's why scripture says, hey, you know, when you receive the word, that, 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 you can, that the word can be choked right out of you by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So our preoccupation, our, our, our focus on this stuff can prevent us from reaching our full maturity in Christ. You know, because it takes effort to, to keep up with stuff and things. Amen, somebody. You know, you got to keep up with that investment. You got to keep up with it. You got to maintain it. You got to manage it. You got to, you know, if you got some stocks and bonds, you got to, you're going to track that. You to keep up with that investment. You're going to make sure that's in place and this and that. So it's energy, effort, time that's taken to acquire stuff, to maintain stuff, to save, to invest. Next thing you know, you're spending most of your time thinking about this stuff than the things of God. God says, think about me, make me first. These other things will be added to you. Not that these things aren't important, that we handle our business. Yeah, handle your business, but handle the business of God first. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. And so, 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 again, it undercuts allegiance. It strangles. It suffocates. It gags. It diverts and distracts from the main thing. Amen, somebody. Luke 6 and 34. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount, but love your enemies and do good and and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Amen. You mean to say I'm not supposed to exact some interest <laughs> on my loan? I'm loaning you some money, you know. Give me 5% on that. 3%. Give me something. You know, just add something to the, to the amount that I'm loaning you. But the scripture says that we're not supposed to exact interest. Now, that's not something that was, even in the day of, uh, in, in Jesus' day, they found a way to bypass it. The law of God said no interest, but the pharisaic law said you could, you, could, you could have interest if it was on a loan for an unnecessary need amen somebody so if it was a loan that you were taking out you know if it wasn't for food or clothing or housing and if you weren't in a destitute position then we, he, uh, the pharisaic law adjusted the law to say we can, we can, we can exact some interest for that It's not for your basic necessities, so let's add a little plus on there. Amen, somebody. And so Jesus came in, you know, basically in one instance he came into the temple and started turning over tables. He said the the profiteering is is on steroids; it's out of control. You know, they brought this to the to the church itself. Here they are exchanging money, you know, and trade and. Uh, you know, you can go in and buy your oxen or buy your sheep or buy your lamb or buy your turtle dove in order to sacrifice it on the altar, and, and yet they made profit right there in the context of uh, the church. So Jesus said, I don't want this kind of profiteering happening in the church. My house shall be a house of prayer. Amen, somebody. So, so we say, what are you saying? Well, well we, we are participating in an economic system that is, on its face, sinful. Let that sink in for a second. That's why we need Jesus. Amen, somebody. Because when we go against the law of God, either wittingly or unwittingly, we need God for healing and forgiveness and mercy and grace extended towards us. And so just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because the modern law says that you, you can do do this and This fashion doesn't mean you should. You should try to be cognizant of the fact that God wants us to be generous, that God wants us to be givers, that God wants us to lend. Yeah, the Scripture also warns you: don't give somebody any more than what you can afford. Amen, somebody. So there's warnings in Scripture that balances that out. You know, somebody come to me for for, needing five thousand dollars. You know, well, (laughs) I may not be able to help you. Amen, but this is what I can help you with. Amen, so it's within my means. It's within my wherewithal to respond. So God wants us to respond, but he don't want us to break the bank to respond. He don't want us to hurt ourselves to respond. Pookie and them will come at you hot, heaven often. <laughs> Not that you shouldn't help, Pookie, but don't hurt yourself. Amen, somebody. So, 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 so these distractions are real in the sight of Almighty God. These, these, uh, these systems that, that, that we're sucked into, that we're a part of you know, involuntarily, they, they are still challenged by God and challenged by the Word of God. The Word talks about this dishonest manager. Let's read a little bit about it. Well, let's first read Luke 1, And he has filled the hung, hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. So Jesus is always challenging the rich for some reason. Be careful. You know, he says it's more difficult for a rich man, uh, you know, it's to, to, get, to the, get into the kingdom of God. Why is that? It's not because of the money. It's because the money is potentially to replace God. Amen. If you got enough money, you think you don't need God. Everything going all right with you. You think you don't need God. You don't think you need to pray. You think you did this on your own with your bad self. <laughs> Amen, somebody. You know, and, and, and so you get braggadocious, you get arrogant, you get conceited. Have you heard that in your whereabouts, in your, in your travels? Have you heard somebody just sound so arrogant like they got it going on, so conceited? You know, it's talking about what all they achieved on their own. Amen, somebody. And you're like, that's the grace of God, okay? <laughs> Luke 16, 1 and 9, the parable of the dishonest manager. He, said, he also said to the, to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is it that I hear about you? Turn in your... The account of your management for you can no longer be my manager and the manager said to himself what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me in other words, since master, uh, manager, my master getting ready to fire me I'm not strong enough to dig I am ashamed to beg I have decided what to do so, so that when I am removed from management people may receive me into their houses so he had a strategy so summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of all. He said to him, Take, take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. You know, instead of hundred, I'm going to cut it down to fifty. Then he said to another, and How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill, write eighty. Amen. The master commended the dishonest manager for his stewardship. I mean, I'm mean, sorry, for his shrewdness. <laughs> for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it falls, they may receive you into their eternal dwellings. You know, a lot of times we're like, why, why is this boss commending his manager for cutting a deal with his debtors. Amen, somebody. Why would you commend you, know, you reducing my funds? You know, first of all, in, if, you, if you know the context, he wasn't reducing the funds. What he was doing was taking off his margin of profit. So in th- one instance, you know, he said, you pay 80 because he had tacked 20% interest on the loan. So all he did was forgive the interest that he had exacted as a manager. Same thing, 50-50. So, you know, well, you owe 100, you pay 50. All right? So he had charged a 50% margin on that person. Amen? And then uh, to go, go on, so you can imagine, now the debtors of the owner, they're happy because now their debt has been reduced to the actual money owed as opposed to the money that was, you know, that this heavy interest had been added to by his manager. The manager had the right to add interest, but he also had the right to, to forgive interest. So by doing so, he had made the, 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 the masters, uh, you know, uh people that owed him money, happy. Also ready to do more business with him. So he's happy, he's elated, he's excited, because you made the, the business environment better now. It's, it's less of a contentious, hostile, business environment, now I'm happy because my debt, my interest has been reduced and my or liquidated or eliminated completely. And so he was just trying to set himself up for a, a, a soft landing somewhere since he's about to be fired. Amen, somebody. And, 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 and the shrewd, and the owner says, you know something? You shrewd, dude. I mean, I, I, I gotta give you your props. You did a good job. Of making sure you land well and but you also did a good job of making sure my customers are happy. So two things happen, two dual things happen in the context of this parable. Amen, somebody. And so so again, interest was something that was happening, but it shouldn't be happening. Amen, somebody. And so this blocks, amen. Blocks and strangles folk from coming into relationship with a God. This dishonest guy who had you know exacted all this interest on the folk, he prevented himself from being thought as of righteous, amen. And he's hindering people from expanding their work, amen. So, so 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 here, you know, again, the boss. He's happy. He's elated because now my customers are happy. Amen. How do we make people happy? By being fair. The parable encourages fairness. The parable encourages equitable treatment. The parable encourages, you know, good business practices. The parable encourages us to do right by other people. The parable encourages us not to exploit or oppress anybody. Amen? So, so, you know, so there are people that owe you. You know, if you can afford it, you might want to think about forgiving a debt. Amen, somebody. And, and in this instance, the forgiveness of the debt had a ripple effect, not just in his life, but in the life of his boss. Amen, somebody. So that's one parable. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Amen, somebody. That's what a fool says. Amen. So, uh, so Luke Luke 12 and 13, I want to get to this parable, and then we're going to finish up. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. But he said to the man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you, and he said to them, take care and be on guard against the, all covetousness. For, all, for one's life does not consist in abundance of his possession." this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Amen, somebody. So this story is a story about a guy, amen, who, uh, who's rich, and he decides he's going to lay up not. Not uh, storage bins, but he's, he wants to accumulate for the, for the far distant future. Amen, somebody. And he's sitting back partying. Amen, somebody. He's got everything lavish and extravagant. And, you know, he thinks he's got it made in terms of his trajectory for the future. And God, through this, through this parable, God says to him, look, it's done. It's over. Life is over. Amen. And today your soul shall be required of you. Amen. And then uh, it goes on. Another parable talks about how you know the rich man and Lazarus. You all remember that story? I mean the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus rich man died, you know Lazarus is eating the crumbs from the rich man's table and he's, he's got these sores all over his body and in addition to he's eating the crumbs his, these wounds are open and the dog is actually licking and you know, licking his wounds and trying to—I mean, he feeling sorrow for him, having compassion for him, and dealing with the wounds that's all over his body—and he can't get anything from the rich man but the crumbs. Amen. And guess what? The rich man dies. Lazarus also dies. Amen. The rich man goes to hell. Lazarus goes to heaven. The word says that he's in the bosom of Abraham. And because of the excruciating pain and the conditions that uh, the rich man is, is under because of his life, you know, he, he, he but well, I, I think this is amazing, really. One of the penalties of, one of the penalties of hell is that you can see heaven. That's, that's crazy, is Lord, I do not want to go to hell. I mean, you, you can see heaven. So he's peering into heaven from hell, and he sees that the guy that he's been oppressive to, the guy that he's spit upon, the guy that he cares nothing about, is living lavishly and is important and has status in the kingdom of God. And he's thinking about his brothers. And then he, he, asked, he asked, is it possible that we could send somebody to warn my brothers about what's upcoming, that they're on their way to hell, because I already arrived. And, and God goes on and say, no, you've been warned. I sent you Abraham, I sent you Moses, I sent you the prophets. I've sent messengers throughout history to give you warnings and tell you to choose my way. Amen, but you chose your way. And you thought that this wealth was going to be lasting, but it's not. Matter of fact, this parable that I just read, it asks, where's your wealth going now? you did. dead. Where is it going now? Never saw, like the old preacher would say, a hearse, a, a, a U-Haul following a hearse. Amen. What do you leave when you die? You leave everything. Amen, somebody. And so, so here it is. This guy, this rich dude is actually surprised. That he's in hell. Can you imagine that? He's surprised. And he's surprised by the reversal of fortune. That here I'm I'm, I'm a big man on earth. And then the guy that I look down on is a big man in heaven. What's up with that? So he's disturbed by the penalty, the punishment. But he was a fool in life, the word of God says. You know, somebody said, well, what's a fool? You know, what's a fool? What is a fool? Maybe y'all can help me. What's a food? Yeah, well, you got to my conclusion too fast. <laughs> I'm talking about give me some more synonyms for food. Listen, I can think of one stupid. Mm-hmm. A little bit crazy. A little crazy. Amen. An imbecile. An idiot. Y'all want me to think of all of them? I get, I, I'm having fun and thinking the way. <laughs> huh? Godless. Amen. Ignorant. Arrogant. Amen. So that's, that's a fool. But the scripture says, defines a school fool. A fool is somebody who thinks there's no God. That's a fool in the sight of God. You can be a little bit crazy. <laughs> But if you believe in God, you ain't a fool. Amen, somebody. A fool is somebody who thinks there's no God. That's what what Scripture says. And so that's the temptation. Riches and wealth and resources and possessions and things and accumulations make us forget about God. They cause a kind of spiritual amnesia where you think that, hey, I'm doing this all on my own. So God says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So that's even the motivation, the inspiration for why you should give. He said, Hey, give because that tethers you, that connects you to the things of God. Anything you give and invest in, you're gonna have an interest in. Amen, somebody. If I got stock in Microsoft, or if I got a stock in IBM, if I got stock, I'm gonna pay attention to the stock, you know, fluctuations, at least periodically, because that's where my investment is. So my heart is going there also. If I put my funds in the kingdom account, my heart also is going to gravitate toward the kingdom. Some of us wonder why we're so loosely tethered, we're so loosely connected, because our heart isn't there. Our treasure isn't there yet, so how can I really care about a place, a place that I'm not invested in? Amen. Amen. A place that hadn't become a priority for me as far as my budgetary concerns. I got other concerns amen, that in my estimation have take precedence over the things of God, whereas God says, that's not how you get blessed. You get blessed by seeking me first, first and foremost, and then he says, I'll add those other things to you, but come after me first, run after me first, want me first, desire me first, love me in a tangible, demonstrative way, praise God. Demonstrate your love for me by allowing your treasure, amen, proportion of To be invested in the kingdom, to be seeds planted in the soil of the kingdom of God. Amen, somebody? So the yardstick for status in the sight of God is not how how much stuff you got. Amen? How much money you have. Just think, this rich man, he hit hell. Amen? This poor man, he hit heaven. Not to say that God is, is glorifying poverty. That's not what he's doing. He's not glorifying poverty. Amen. Matter of fact, the the one of the Beatitudes says, blessed is the poor in spirit, for they will will see God. He's he's just saying it's easier if you're poor to see God. It's easier to serve if if, if you're not enamored and obsessed with the stuff and things. Amen, somebody. So he's saying, look, it's easier for that person to experience God and know there is a God because you're going to seek him more uh, more things are gonna, doors are going to have to open miraculously for you so it's, it's, you're more apt to seek me but if all your needs are already met, if your job wages, salary, occupation profession gives you some upward mobility, amen if it takes you to that gated community if it takes you to that place where you're cloistered off you can get in that spot and just stay there amen, there's some folks sitting there in their nice homes this morning Amen. With the big screen televisions getting ready to get fired up, waiting for the game to come on. Amen. So that virtual world has stole my Sabbath. Amen. So instead of honoring God with my time, my energy, my effort, my appreciation, my gratitude for Him, I have now bowed to the God of pleasure and leisure. Amen. And recreation and me time. This is my time, me time, my time, me time. I'm doing my own thing. I got my own thing going on. I don't have to glorify and magnify God. And God forbid we give you a little excuse for having a little contempt for the things of God because of flesh walking around in here. Amen. And up here. Amen, somebody. You know, Jesus said, he said everything was going to be that way that he's going to come to separate the weeds from the flowers. From what's real From what's false. Amen. But too often we want to get in that business. Of judging and condemning. And relegating folk. To being hypocrites. Amen somebody. And and throwing out the church. Because then that gives me license. To do my own thing. Amen. You can't tell me. You know the folk who tell you in a minute. I don't you know I love God. But I, I, I don't believe in that church situation. Isn't that something that goes out pretty often nowadays? Don't you hear that every now and then? Listen, you know, I don't believe in organized religion. Amen. Amen. So you don't believe in collaboration, you don't believe in partnership, you don't believe in coming together, you don't believe that we're better together, you don't believe that we can do more together than we can apart, you don't believe in in, in, in in where two or three are gathering in my name that the promise is real, that I'm in the midst no matter what, so God comes to where people are in isolation, it's hard to get consistent contact with God, but in inclusion and in Collaboration in partnership, in congregation, praise God. We meet God each and every Sunday, right here, right now, praise God. And we can be assured of the presence of God showing up because the promises of God are real. I haven't talked to anybody who gave me that lame excuse. I don't believe in organized religion that ain't got something on the side that they're trying to get accomplished that they know is ungodly. It's just an excuse. Amen. I want an excuse to live my life the way I want to live it. And I see, I see religion as a restriction to that. And I'm not going to be in a place that potentially embarrasses me, potentially calls me out, potentially directs light on my lifestyle. I don't want that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to be close to that. So I'm going, I'm going to search the Internet for every negative statement. I'm going to Google, you know, failure <laughs> In, in the faith i'm going to make sure i'm aware of all the most recent failings and and, uh, and mishaps and missteps even though they've been happening throughout history amen somebody but it's just more prominent now see something can happen in uh in in washington dc t- today and we'll know it in 10 minutes amen somebody you know <laughs> we'll know it because they'll post it And immediately, right now, we know, ooh, that happened? Ooh, that's a shame. See, that's why we don't go to church. (laughs) Amen. Well, what about the nice percentile of people that are on target? What about the nice percentage of people that the faith is making a difference for? What about the conversion and the born-again experience, the infilling of the Spirit of God? What about praise and worship that warms my heart? What about a word that encourages my life? What about the interpretation of Scripture that gives me best practice for, for living for Jesus? Amen. What about all of that? What about the authority that God is exercising the world? and submitting to the authority that God wants, amen, so that we can be children of his, so acknowledging that even Jesus came under authority. Amen, somebody. You know, so so I want Jesus without his values. Amen, somebody. I love what God has done through his radical exercise. He's allowed the have-nots to have access to God. He's allowed sinners to have access to God. He conversed and, you know, ministered to prostitutes and and plebeians and, you know, publicans and the uninvited guests got invited. Amen. Those thought thought of with contempt and disdain are now honored by God. Amen. The last has become first. The first has become last. Everything has been inverted because of the power of Almighty God. I don't have to succumb to the superiority, you know, concepts of the world because I know in Christ I am a son or a daughter of the kingdom of God. And in that kingdom, God gives me status. And God has a great inheritance for those who love Him. There's a reward for those who come after Him and follow after Him, who run after Him, who chase after Him, who love Him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love them with everything they are and everything they hope to be. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God who loves us, who cares for us, who ministers to us, who meets our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Scripture goes on to say in Luke 16, 13, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Amen, somebody. Isn't that something? You know, out of all the things that Jesus said that competes for my attention, that competes with you having allegiance to me, he could have said, well, your knowledge gets in the way, or he could have said your skills gets in the way, or your appearance Gets in the way, or your occupation gets in the way, or your nobility or your status gets in the way, or your nationality gets in there. What he said, mammon gets in the way, money, wealth gets in the way from allegiance to me. Amen, somebody. So, and to a certain extent, even though we've done it wrong sometimes, the pastors have been right. Amen, somebody. To emphasize the importance of you doing the right thing in the financial arena. Amen, somebody? Because that's the biggest threat. The biggest threat to allegiance to God. Amen? There are other threats as well. Don't get me wrong. Idolatry, anything we put above God. But the biggest threat is to go after stability and security because of finances. And not have your security and your trust and your stability come because of your relationship with God. You got a problem. Where do you look to first when you got a problem? Is it prayer? Or is it your budget? Amen, somebody. Let me submit to you, that's a big mistake to look to your budget first. Because now you're looking for how much room you got on the credit card. Amen. Not how powerful your God is to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Now you're looking for how I can make a little extra money or get involved in some little get-rich-quick scheme. Amen, somebody. Let me try to make some more income. And now, now, Now I'm invested and involved in matters that do not matter, and I'm less invested and involved in the matters that really matter. And the matters that really matter are the things of God. Amen. And I draw closer to God. I tether to Him. I connect with Him when I got this treasure principle right. Amen. So God is calling us to get it right, to come into a brand new economy. Amen. And many can profess right here in this auditorium that that economy has served you well. Amen. To bring your gifts, your tithes, your offerings to the storehouse and deposit them without hesitation or reservation. Praise God. Has served in opening doors, has served in making opportunities available, has that has opened up the windows for helping and poured out blessings that you don't even have room enough to to receive that has killed the spirit of materialism. And now you're walking by faith and not by sight because God has been faithful and he has brought out of me a level of faithfulness that I can begin to be proud of. The fact that I've been responsive to God. And guess what? He's always been responsive to me. Always, not one time. He let me down. Amen, somebody. Might have been delayed, might have been denied, but he never let me down. Amen, somebody. The door is opened and closed in the name of our God, and he makes a way. He clears the path for blessings, for opportunities, for insight, for direction, for guidance, for wisdom, for love, for power, for access, praise God. That's our God, accessible and available to us if we seek him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So Jesus' radical principle says, come on into my economy. Don't don't trust the world's systems. Don't trust the world's schemes. Don't trust the world's profiteering. Don't trust the world's way of doing things. Amen, somebody. Yeah, you got to be in the world and not of it. Yeah, you got to participate in this economic system. But just know, put your full trust in me. Watch. Watch and see what God does. Won't you stand all over the house? I want to invite somebody to make this choice. Amen, somebody. A choice of allegiance. To not use God and serve wealth, but to serve God and to use wealth. Did you hear me? There's a difference. Not use God and serve wealth, but to serve God and use wealth. Amen. It's it's a tool that we're to use to glorify God first. Amen somebody. Margin made in our lives to be generous no, no matter how meager we think our resources may be. One of the blessings in the United States of America is that you can be almost on any income level and have a decent living, a decent life. I mean, you may not be able to shop in the Neiman Marcuses or the Saks Fifth Avenue's, but you could be clad pretty nice at a reasonable rate. You know, you just got to have a good eye. Amen, somebody. You ain't got to, you know, say, you know, you ain't got to have the most expensive stuff. Amen. Just have a good eye. Amen, somebody. You ain't got to have the most expensive things. If you live within your means, you will be blessed. God has challenged us to make room to not be in no financial competition with anybody else. Don't try to live like me or anybody else. Amen, somebody. Live like God has allowed you to live and make room for generosity, for contributions, for a lifestyle that honors God with what you got. And that's what, when you show him that you're worthy of taking the right care of what you already have, That's when you put yourself in a position to be additionally added to, to be additionally blessed in ways that you don't even imagine beyond what you could think or understand, praise God. God has more for you through the faithfulness path than through the profiteering path. That's what I'm trying to say. Y'all got it? You get it? Say, we get it and we got it. Now let's get going with it. Amen. We love you today. I want to invite somebody to connect with the church today to say, I affirm faith in Jesus. He's the Lord and Savior of my life. I affirm or reaffirm that, and I connect with the family of God, the people of God, the community of believers. I want to be a part of community because that's what God said. That's what he said I need to be about. Jesus said, I gave my life for the church. That she is my bride. Amen. That's the object of affection. So he went, I'm challenging you on behalf of the Savior to connect with the family, the fold, the fellowship, the community of believers, to come forward in his name. Every heart praying, we're going to worship for a few moments, and we invite you to come. We set our hope on your love. We set our hope on the one who is is the everlasting everlasting God. God. He is. Thank you for being our guy. Pray here for a moment.